Today's episode is all about learning how to promote your band and your music, social media, email marketing, all of that. So let's go ahead and jump in. Welcome to episode 13 of Behind the Band, a podcast where we are all about helping you grow your music career. My name is David Ryan Olson. I'm glad that you are here today. Real excited for today's show because we have a guy named Brandon Brown as a guest today. He is a partner for the digital marketing firm Media Whisper, but also he's a musician. He's a guitarist for the band Viridia, and he's just a real great person to talk to when it comes to the subject of promoting your band and you're promoting your music so we have a lot of really really good content to dive into today just wanted to say thanks for listening if you are releasing new music in the future and would love to have a better plan for how to promote and release your music going forward we have put together a free half hour workshop just about releasing music it's called rock the release Head on over to evergreenrecords.com slash workshop to sign up for Rock the Release. You'll learn everything you need to know. Again, that's evergreenrecords.com slash workshop. But for now, without further ado, let's go ahead and just jump into our episode today with Brandon Brown of Media Whisper and the band Viridia. All right, Brandon, thanks so much for joining me today. How are you doing? Yeah, thanks for having me. Doing great. Yeah, awesome. We'd love just to kind of get to know you. Uh, why don't you go ahead and just share a little bit about yourself and what your story is? Sure. Uh, my name is Brandon Brown. I uh, today am one of the partners and co-founders of a digital marketing agency called Media Whisper. Uh, I also am the guitarist and co-founder of a band called Viridia. And those are kind of the two sides of my life, which seem unrelated, but actually there's some backstory there. So I started my career at a little company called Southwest Airlines. I did marketing there for about four or five years, was always playing music on the side, had had bands through high school, you know, been on stage in some form or fashion since I was 13 years old, which is, you know, (laughs) quite a while ago now. And, um, and yeah, you know, through college, music started getting a little bit more serious. I graduated, went straight into the corporate world. Loved working at Southwest Airlines, great company. Free flights are like the best job benefit I could imagine, <laughs> and I really miss that. But, um, you know, 2009, 2010, music was really starting to pick up, and we had some real opportunities. And I kind of hit this point where I knew that giving that side of my life a shot and sitting in a cubicle probably wouldn't coexist forever as, as much as I was great about balancing the two and as great as Southwest and my bosses there were about supporting that. Um, you know, it just, it wasn't gonna, gonna last forever. So uh, around that time in 2010, an opportunity presented itself to partner with a good friend of mine to start this agency, which, uh, would, would be called Media Whisper. And it, it was really born out of a need that Live Nation had, you know, in the live music, live entertainment space to create a process and a strategy for their music venues on social media. Which, if you think back, you know, 2009, 2010, that was like the Wild West. And my partner, Michael Henry, he had already been managing a couple of MySpace pages for a few of the House of Blues venues around the country. Uh, and I mean, that's really where this started was back in the MySpace days. It was still called Web 2.0. The word, you know, the <laughs> phrase social media was was really just a new thing. And businesses um, didn't know how to work with it, didn't know if there was value in it. Um, Live Nation, you know, their VP of marketing at the time kind of had a, had great foresight and realized, hey, you know, 
the, this social media thing is here to stay. Not only do we need all of our venues to be on it, but we need some consistent strategy. Who's this guy in Dallas, which is where we lived at the time. He's already working with half the house of blues. Maybe he wants to do it. And so uh, they asked Michael for a proposal. And that's when he and I kind of joined forces more uh, formally. We created Media Whisper end of 2010. And I was negotiating this contract with Live Nation while still at Southwest Airlines. <laughs> and really, as soon as they signed on the dotted line, put in my two weeks notice, and we started giving this thing a shot. So um, that's kind of like the birth of Media Whisper. It started by managing MySpace pages, Facebook yeah. pages, Twitter, um, Instagram was not a thing yet. You know, for a while we did Foursquare. That came and went. My oh, one Foursquare. Dude, yeah. I forgot about Foursquare. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's a while ago. Um, you know, MySpace went away almost immediately. Like, it was part of our first contract with them, but it, it fell apart, like, within days, it felt like. And then, and, you know, Foursquare came and went. Instagram came and stayed. And that's really the genesis of, of Mediosphere. So, for the first probably, you know, that was over 10 years ago now. We just had our 10-year mark in December um, and super proud, you know, of our team, like for <laughs> lasting through the wild west phase of, of social and kind of really writing the playbook for, for live music venues when it, when it comes to that stuff. Um, but we, you know, years ago, I would have called this a social media marketing agency. We really were niche down social only managing social media communities, handling the customer service, the content, and also really niche, niche down into the live music and live entertainment space. People, things that got people out of the house, buying tickets, having experiences. You went from venues to festivals to casinos and all kinds of stuff. Um, and then, you know, fast forward a few years, we started diversifying a little bit more uh, outside of just the music space. We started diversifying and adding to our suite of services. So now I'd say we're a digital marketing agency. We still do social. We have a lot of experts on our team that just touched that. But now we also handle email marketing, um, branding, web development, Google ads, you know, kind of all the things under the digital heading. Um, and we went from just music and live entertainment to then working with boutique hotels. That was an experiment that went really right. So we have a whole hotel team within our team now, and that's also graduated to e-commerce and direct-to-consumer sales, uh, sports now. So we've just kind of continued to grow just as it, as it made sense. Um, and yeah, that's and how we got introduced was, you know, running paid campaigns and, and kind of just being out there in the world. Yeah. Well, I think there's a lot I'd love to unpack with you over the next little bit. Um, not only just kind of your expertise working with these venues and in promoting shows, obviously that's, that's a, a thing a lot of artists are wanting to figure out is how to promote shows when for context, we're recording this in the middle of the pandemic. So, you know, that's <laughs> right, not a right. thing. Yeah. But if you stumble across this in the future, um, yeah, promoting your shows is, is like the eternal musicians question but then also just like how do you how do you run your your campaigns effectively would love to know some of your top tips for musicians looking to have a better online presence i know that's a very very broad question <laughs> yeah uh, but maybe just some of the top things that you see that that people need to you know make sure they they have an order yeah, absolutely. And I should say, so I do, I am still a musician. I mentioned that before, but kind of in that long spiel of my work history did not really touch on that. I will say leaving the corporate world did give me the opportunity to, to pursue the artist side of my life as well. And, you know, the double-edged sword of, of being an entrepreneur and working at an agency is, you know, I can work from wherever. So I've done a lot of working in the back of a van, the back of a bus, the green room before <laughs> a show, you know, falling asleep on my laptop after getting off stage, like many, many, many times in many countries yeah. over the years. So uh, all that to say, um, I care very much about the artist side. And I wish that there 
were like a silver bullet strategy that would like launch every artist's career and help get them to the next level. But as we know, you know, anyone who's been on the music side, there are certain formulas you can follow and we'll talk about some of those things. Um, but it still takes kind of that stroke of luck, right? You can have the best songs, you could be on the best label, the best team. Still, there's something that, you know, has to just kind of strike you at the right time and to elevate you to the next level. And I think that social and digital is one aspect of that. But don't be discouraged. You know, if you try something and it doesn't work, it's just it's about creating, right? It's about continually finding out what works for your audience. So um, I care very much about social. Again, that's where our agency started. So that's the first thing that most fans are going to look at when they're interested in an artist, right? They hear you on a playlist or their friend tells them or whatever. They're going to search, at least I do, on Instagram and see, okay, what do they look like? You know, what do they have going on outside of their music? Um, and you have to think about that. You know, what's the first impression that you're leaving on fans? Is it is it blurry, you know, unprofessional, kind of over-filtered images that look like they're, you know, their cousin who doesn't know how to, <laughs> to use Instagram? Or are you are you putting your best foot forward? And, and a lot of times, you know, we've seen artists do, do this, and, and with my band as well, like, we're very particular about how our Instagram feed presents. Um, when you go there, you know, ha having it be a bit more of a visual experience, and I think this is can be true for businesses as well. So anyone else, you know, who's who's listening, that's not an artist. That this is true across the board. If you can give people a reason to spend more than two seconds on your social media uh, profile, you, you've already won a little bit, you know, because we're just blasted by content all day, every day. So if people just see one image in their in their feed. Uh, and they decide to go to a profile, that's already a win. How do you keep them there? You know, can you give them something to scroll through where it's visually interesting? Maybe you, you have great images and you can kind of explode those out into nine squares instead of just one square and give people a reason to scroll through, to stay there for a little bit. One, the, the algorithm is going to favor you for that. You've got to work in your favor there because people are spending more time on your profile. Um, but also it sticks with their memory a little bit. You know, it, we just we glaze over so many things that just are run of the mill these days. So I like to look for opportunities like that to um, catch people's attention, get them to interact with you on social in some way. Um, and, and really, you know, it all comes down to content and the music, right? You can have the best the best skin on something, but uh, if you haven't focused on your craft, and your art, you know, what, what people really, what your product is, which your music is in some form or fashion, um, the rest is just superficial, you know, so, so really having substance there and then making sure you're presenting it in a visual way. So that, I know that's not a tactic, but just, you know, really look at your Instagram account and think, okay, how is this presenting? Is the link updated? You know, is it sending people to where I want to go? Is the bio accurate? Like do a little audit for yourself, you know, and be really critical. Like you would, you know, with that band that's competing for the same spot, you know, for that show with you. Um, and when it comes, you know, we can go like way down the rabbit, like literally I could just spitball for an hour on all the things to, we could do right and wrong. Um, but I'd say first things first, I would say this to any brand, any artist, do a little audit, be critical of yourself. If you have old stuff that's not representing you well, don't be overly sentimental about it. You know, the pe new fans are not going to care. They want to see the, the best that you have to offer. And, uh, and your old fans, you know, they can find the old content or maybe that's how they fell in love with you, but they should be sort of along with the journey as well. What would you say is the point of your of a band's Instagram? 
for, mm-hmm. for most artists. It seems like a lot of people, myself included, have struggled to know, well, where does Instagram fit into the mix of everything? Uh, and some people use it like in place of a website. Some people use it in place of, they use it to like, you know, network with other musicians or mm-hmm. they use it, you know, to try and promote their shows and with without like a lot of intentionality. Yeah. Uh, so I guess, you know, I, I'd just love to hear some of your opinions about what is um, your social account for? Yeah, well, you touched, you, that's a good question. Um, and I should say, you know, I'm harping on Instagram here because it's the most visual and that, that tends to be what jumps to mind for me. You know, I'm, I'm 35, so I'm somewhere in the millennial, approaching elder millennial stage of my life, I guess. So Instagram is my go-to versus TikTok. You know, every platform kind of has its own place, right? Um, but I would caution, like, no matter what, the platform is if you don't own it if it's not your bands.com you know we're we're borrowing these platforms and things mm-hmm. can change you know i mean myspace was where so many bands blew up right and and had a great notoriety and then it just went away i mean so quickly and facebook yeah. never really fully grasped the music the way that that myspace did so there was a big loss and there was kind of a gap there right and so having your website as kind of the hub that you control you can monitor the traffic of, you can capture people's data, however you want. Don't lose sight of that. Like, yeah, we can start on social. It's easy to do that. But but think of your social channels as kind of like spokes, you know, on the hub that ultimately you want to lead people back to something that you have control over. And I think we'll probably talk a little bit more about that because it's becoming more and more important again. Um, so Instagram, you know, it's very visual. So keep that in mind when you're working with it. Um, th- they're prioritizing different types of content depending on, what's new in the app right now, reels, you know, long form video, uh, the videos that you add music to, which is essentially emulating TikTok, that is being given a lot of preference in Instagram right now. With Facebook, you have a little more freedom with, you know, the types of content that you post, you can link out to your website, you can link out to different articles about you, press things like that, that really don't play well on Instagram, but the same visual content that works on Instagram often does work on Facebook. So uh, Twitter, not for everyone certain genres are slamming on twitter certain geographies certain cities are twitter's more popular than others you know edm hip-hop uh depending on where you're located it could even be rock and pop like twitter has a place for some artists it might not be the highest priority for you so you kind of have to know your audience and and really like where you're naturally wanting to spend time invest more in that if, if it's natural for you and still allows you the space to, to pursue your art. Don't let social kind of derail the ultimate core value. But, but in a nutshell, the purpose of social is to help your fans feel more connected to you. We can all find your music on the same platforms as everyone, you know, Beyonce, Queens of the Stone Age, what, whoever your band is, like you can release music on the same platforms, but those artists generally don't give their fans the level of access that you can. Right. And so you have to reel people in with, you know, some of these outreach opportunities. So social is to kind of, you can let people have a little peek behind the curtain. You can be very curated about what you present, um, but it's it's adding some visual flair to your music. Um, so that's generally how I think about, about social. You know, it should be funneling people to where you want them to go. It shouldn't be the be all end all. You know, your number one performance metric should not be the number of Instagram followers you have. It should be your streams. It should be views on your videos. It should be consumption of your actual content that you've created. One of the biggest things I, I got out of that was you you have to kind of own your platform and that you're borrowing uh, these platforms, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter from these companies. And you don't know whether they're going to end up 
the next MySpace next month, next year, next decade. We, we don't know when. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also maybe to, to add on to that a little bit is it's not in Facebook's best interest to show your post to every uh, person that follows you. Sure. So you're always going to get throttled by the Instagram platform mm-hmm. um, or the Facebook news feed or, or, or whatever. Um, so maybe talk a little bit more about um, what can you do to kind of start bringing people off of these platforms so that you own them forever. You can own the people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's no, going to get taken out of context. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I'll speak to our personal experience, you know, so we've, my band's been on a couple of record labels over the years and we're independent now. So, you know, record label can kind of um, ease the burden financially for you, you know, with tour support, with having a budget to record all those things. And now we're, we're funding everything. And so our fans are really, the record label, you know, and our fans provide those resources. So Patreon is something that a lot of artists are familiar with. If you have any kind of following and you can get people to commit a dollar a month, $5 a month, really fine. You know, it's only going to be a small subset of your listeners and fans who make that investment, but those people, you know, they're your most valuable and, and growing that fan base, you know, kind of the, the thousand super fans model that that's all you need really to, to support your art indefinitely. Um, so exploring platforms like that that do give you a little bit more direct interaction i think is great and then thinking about ways to get people interested in that or incentivizing them uh, and honestly email lists are huge and that's something you know we can get into a bit more of like the advertising side and some changes that facebook uh is making due to apple requiring but having an email list is going to be your most one of your most valuable pieces of data so when your app shows, you can get people to sign up at your merch table, whatever it might be. You know, the bigger the show, the more people you can capture that way, especially if you give some kind of incentive, you know, are you giving away a merch bundle, you know, and, and people have to give you their email address on your little uh, the iPad or a piece of paper or whatever it might be at your merch table. Something we started doing from stage is also doing text campaigns. So people text a word to, you know, four 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 seven 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 or whatever it is. Uh, there's there's services out there that allow you to capture people's phone numbers as well. Or they'll get a text that then requires them to enter their email address, you know, and you get all that data. When you're on stage and you have people's attention, you're putting on a good show, they want to know more. They want that instant gratification, which could be winning a your album, you know, or a t-shirt at the table at the end of the night. Take advantage of that. You know, do it in a in a way that's true to your personality, but don't be afraid to capture that data, especially when you're an up and coming artist, because then you have those email addresses. You can use that for targeting social media ads if you want to go that route. Your email list is going to be huge, um, no matter who you are. So that's a that's a big tactic that I, I don't want people to overlook. Email might feel a little outdated. We're all inundated, but owning any data that you can about your about your fans is really massive. It just takes some incentive. No one wants to give up their email address and get on another email list unless they really like you or you're doing a giveaway or a partnership or something like that. So if you only have five people on your list, don't be discouraged. Just think of a way to get more, you know, think of something you can offer people first that they're willing to trade their email address. It's, you know, it's a pretty low value thing at at this point, but people are still fatigued by the emails they get. So you have to make it valuable and and keep it interesting. And, you know, Sorry, I tend to like <laughs> use oh. so a lot of words to answer a very small question, I think. But that same mentality when it comes to social, what you're putting out there should have value, right? Like, you know, if it's going to live forever on an Instagram feed, 
don't be afraid to like curate that a little bit more. You don't feel like you have to post on Facebook every day, but when you post, make it meaningful, make it something that your fans will be eager to share or interact with, not just for the sake of posting. Instagram stories, things that disappear, you know, after 24 hours, it's a little less, you can be more off the cuff and people want to see you, the real you, you know, get to know your personality. But think about when you're posting on a platform like Facebook, where the algorithm does decide how many people see your post, it needs to be valuable. And that'll keep, you know, rewarding you over time. You said provide some sort of value in order for someone to hand over their email address, because like, we all have way too flooded of the inboxes. Um, And when I go to a show at like a small venue in town and uh, all they have is just a clipboard in the corner that says sign up for my email list. <laughs> I mean, like I, I don't really feel a ton of pressure to sign up for that personally. <laughs> right. Right. Um, so what are some of the things of value that you've seen work for artists to, you know, to promise in terms of signing up for your email list? We had kind of a unique opportunity a number of years ago that we were on a really big tour that played in front of a lot of people every night and because of the size of the tour, we gave away an electric guitar that had oh, wow. like a little Viridia logo on it. Or I don't even remember exactly what it was, but um, like how we branded it. But it wasn't anything fancy. And I don't think it was a particularly nice guitar, but it's something like, you know, we spent $100, $200 on probably. It seemed really high value. And for us, an up and coming artist, maybe this is too too much. Maybe you're not on a tour where you can justify spending $100 to get a couple thousand email addresses. You, know, you have to figure out where you are at the time. But that was something that we did that helped us get a few, you know, over 10,000 email addresses on our list because people were, you know, already at the table wanting to buy stuff and, and whoever is selling merch just kept encouraging them, you know, oh, make sure to fill this out. Then the band will be in touch with you. You could win this guitar or whatever it might be. Now that we're independent, we're not exactly giving away like electric instruments <laughs> anymore. <laughs> but but when we're on stage, we'll give out um, an album, you know, or give out an album and a t-shirt bundle. And then at the end of the night, we text the person who who wins, you know, a, a CD. If you if you're even selling those, what where they cost a uh, two bucks maybe. I mean, are you willing to get a couple dozen email addresses for that for something you've already paid for? You know, it could be worth it. Same with the shirt. You know, the, the cost of the shirt might be five or six dollars if you can get 100 email addresses out of that. You know, you kind of figure out what's worth it. But um, those are things that people, when they're in front of you and they want it right now, you already have their attention. You, you know, they can be really easy. Everyone's already got their phone in their hand. Get them to send a text. There's services out there that are super cheap um, that can help you accomplish that. What about things like we'll send behind the scenes videos or um, you'll be the first to know about, you know, this type of thing or uh, sign up and we'll instantly through some sort of automation send, you know, this video, those types of things. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, we call that lead magnets. And yeah, I know earlier I was talking about like from the stage, you can do the same things online. Obviously, you don't have to be on stage. You can, if you have a new album coming out, do like a pre-order campaign or where someone can be the first to hear the songs and, you know, a day before everyone else gets it, they get a download link. There's things like that. You have control over it, depending on how much control you have over your content. Um, but I think that's great. People, for, you know, the stage we're at, like we're a couple years in, we've released a couple EPs and an album, like uh, some of our biggest fans, they love hearing demos that have never been released that honestly will never re- release. It can, <laughs> you know how it goes. Like if, if you're writing, if you're writing music, I mean, you know, we wrote a hundred songs and we recorded five for our first EP. So that's 95 demos out there that probably will never see the light of day. And we reward our fans. They love that. We call them radio vault. Um, and so something like that, I think, uh, 
music video, do, doing something that's personalized, you know, can you, can you send them a video like for their birthday? Uh, these are ideas that we've, we've integrated into our Patreon that just so people are willing to not only trade their email address for it, but a couple dollars a month for these things. Um, you know, it's, it's what feels natural for you. The, the, a couple things to caution, you don't want to burden yourself like with having to hand draw or paint. You know, we made that mistake one time. We, <laughs> we like had all these yeah. like hand painted lyric sheets that our singers, you know, our singer who's an amazing artist, but had to spend like two months of her life doing because of all the pre-orders we've gotten. Try to keep it digital. Try to keep it something you can deliver instantly, that instant gratification. Um, maybe it's your new song. Maybe it's the demo of that song. Maybe it's a remix or, you know, it's your music video or a rough cut of the video or something like that. You can give to people in their inbox right away. You have their email address. You're giving them content that is already created and might not be released, you know, something like that. So I think it's different for every artist. You have to think about what do your fans care about? What, if you don't have any fans yet, you know, how do you, how do you earn them? The first, you're not going to be able to ask for someone's email address if they aren't already a fan of their music. So there is kind of this, you have to earn, earn it one step of the way, right? Release great music, get people interested with, with your imagery, with how you manage social, then ask for their permission, you know, to, for their email address. You, you can't go in for, the marriage proposal without the first kiss, you know, kind of on the first yeah. date, you know what I mean? So think about it like dating and how do you add a little more value each time? Right. No, that's a great analogy. You know, you, you can't necessarily just jump to, you know, pay me a hundred bucks a month for my <laughs> premium membership or, or uh -huh. whatever it is. You have yeah. to, you have to kind of, you know, do the, do the music that brings them into your Instagram. They get to know you, then they want to sign up for more. How would you even start building out this type of a, um, like a funnel, I guess, you mm -hmm. know, um, if you talk about, you know, your, your music is, you know, this many people and then your Instagram's this many people and then email and then what are, what's, what's kind of some of the steps you would suggest in terms of starting to build that? Cause say I'm an artist, put out a few songs, have a few hundred people following me on Instagram, but you know, don't really have a website or mm -hmm. don't have an email list or, or anything. So awareness of your music, you know, you put all this work into writing a great song, investing in recording it you know, working with a good producer that, that you trust and, and now releasing it into the world. So you've, you've already invested in the music. Now you need to invest in the marketing behind that music. So obviously playlists are a huge thing right now um, and will continue to be important, you know, for labels, for independent artists or whatever. So be, be wary of, of playlisting services. Um, it's a bit like gambling, but if you can find a company that that can help you do that. Or you can work getting in touch with people who manage playlists. Um, you know, there's a number of creative ways to go about that. It has to come to awareness, right? If, if your song has 15 streams on Spotify, we're a couple steps ahead of, of thinking about emails and giveaways and kind of loyalty to your brand. Like you need to earn the listeners first and it takes an additional step of investment beyond just the recording, you know, so, so that can come through promotion with Facebook ads, maybe, uh, you know, social media, working with those platforms, driving people to your artist profile or to the specific song link on Spotify, on Apple Music. Um, you know, figure out what your budget is and kind of, and, and how to get it out there. Uh, playlists, it can happen for free. Sometimes you need to really dig and get working on that. Um, I know that you're, you're familiar with Mark Eckert and that pitch, you know, and that song and that, you know, his, he has a whole suite of things. And, and one of those is a guide to, 
to playlist, you know, and contact info for a hundred playlisters. So people who can potentially put your music on there. It's, it's like back in the day when artists wanted to get their songs on radio stations, they'd have to call or visit the station or convince the programmer. That's who playlisters are now. So you really have to go to them. They're not going to find you. So figure out their, their contact info, send them an email, get in touch with them on social. There's ways to do it. There's ways to find the info. Um, get your song out there so that people can hear it. If you have some budget, it doesn't have to be a lot. It could be as cheap as a dollar a day. I would probably recommend a little higher than that, but you can start running ads on Facebook and Instagram to drive people to those same links. Like I mentioned, um, those would be the first, the first things when you're just starting out, you know, release, you can't just release a song and sit back and wait for people to come. There's way too much content out there for that. You have to be doing the work to market it, you know, use your existing network, your friends, your family, social media, get your friends to share it, get your family members to share it. Sometimes it has to be DIY and grassroots like that. And if the music is good, people shouldn't hesitate to share it. So again, it all goes back to focusing on your art and then taking the steps. What do you have access to? How many people can you get in your corner to help bring you, you know, a little bit more exposure, share you with their networks? Can you scrape together a little bit of money to hire a, a reputable playlisting company or to run some ads? Um, those would be kind of the first steps I'd be thinking about from like a very DIY mindset. Uh, so let's say you're starting to get a little bit of traction on Spotify, on Instagram. Uh, you're wanting to start converting some of your uh, your casual fans at this point into mm-hmm. a little bit more of a deeper relationship. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, we, we've talked about the importance of an email list. Um, yeah. How would you start building that out? Yeah, building a website is a must. You know, it's a very easy place for your email form to live. We can all essentially build a website now using something like Squarespace that's very affordable. It kind of establishes that hub where you control you know, what's on there, how it looks. doesn't have to be anything complicated. It could be just featuring your new single you know, and an email sign-up list. And then hopefully when shows return someday, if you're an artist who's performing, you have a tab where people can see your concerts and you know, potentially buy tickets to them. It can be very simple. So I would, I would start thinking, okay, you know, I'm borrowing all these platforms. I'm releasing music out on Spotify, on Apple Music. I've established a presence on social. How can I start owning that a little bit more, bringing people, you know, those are very casual, low commitment things. It takes a, a lot more commitment for someone to visit your artist website. But if you've done your groundwork with those first couple steps, give people a reason to go to your site. Um, it could be, you know, to order your latest single or download it from the site. It could be a free download, maybe. Um, they don't have to go to Spotify, you know, something like that. They can just, they can get it from you. I would put together a site that looks the way you want it to look, has a great high quality image um, and put an email form on there and just start capturing that. Obviously, if you're playing shows, there's a whole other set of opportunities there to tap into. Um, and then just think about, you know, how do I continually engage the audience? Can you spend an hour a week just planning content, you know, turning the camera on yourself and letting people know who you are, what you're working on, thanking people for listening to your song. You know, that's slightly uncomfortable for me. I'm, I'm not the like turn the camera on myself type guy. I'm looking at myself on my camera talking to you and it's like, I don't normally do this. Um, but the front, the front person of the band, you know, the, the attractive person of the band, whoever it might be, it could be a group effort. But just think about that. You know, is it worth, spending one hour a week, two hours per month, whatever it might be, filming some little things that allow people to feel connected to you and go beyond what you've released in kind of this nice polished little package on, on Spotify. Um, so you have to be purposeful with content. 
and don't get so, you know, in your shell and kind of down in the work that you forget, you know, people need a little bit more than that. Like they'll care about the music if it's good, but you know, they'll care about, they need that connection to you to kind of help you rise above all the other artists we we have access to. So you have to kind of, you know, first have a few fun dates, you know, get to know you a little bit before <laughs> yeah. saying, will you be my girlfriend or boyfriend or partner or whatever? Yeah. Well, I think it's, it's like, you know, first people see you on the dating app, right. On Spotify, hopefully, you know, on a playlist and they're like, Ooh, that, that sounds good. It's like kind of the superficial, like yeah. people are attracted to the music. That's what it comes down to. Right. Um, and then, they want to get to know you a little bit. So, you know, start messaging back and forth. There's, if you think about it like dating, I think it's a great analogy. Um, people are seeing your Instagram profile. They have the opportunity to interact with you. And then, yes, you can go in, you know, for for the move, the kiss or whatever, you know, that you ask one to be your girlfriend, essentially sending them to your website. Um, and then it just continues from there. You know, someone giving you their email address, that's they're a lot more committed to you at that point. They're a true fan. You've given them some, some reason why they want to be more in touch. And uh, it, it's not this release music, have fans. There's this whole funnel, you know, and kind of this, yeah. this step ladder to get there. I think you said something real important there is that once they're, if they're on your email list, they are a true fan. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be way easier to try and get your true fans to do something for you than just your casual fans that happen to be, you know, following you on Instagram. Mm-hmm. So if you, if you're, if you get a group of true fans together and you say, I have a show or I have an album you're going to have a higher percentage of those people actually buying a ticket or, you know, RSVPing or downloading or streaming than just the, you know, a hundred of your casual fans. Yeah. So that's true. Um, that's, that's kind of the importance of why you need an email list. I mean, even above the whole algorithm point is that like, this is where your, your true fans are. Yeah. Yeah. I know we keep talking about Instagram and obviously a lot of these, a lot of these strategies can, can, uh, you know, kind of supersede the platform specifically and one opportunity that i think is really important for more diy artists and maybe maybe you're still in like the local scene or whatever it might be is facebook groups i mean facebook is not it's less sexy than it's ever been but if you're a member of any facebook groups you know whether that be you know nashville local music or whatever it might be that there's a lot of groups that are a little more curated within these platforms that are, that have insanely high engagement and that could be a great way to network with other artists to see what they're doing um, to maybe just tap into fans who are really uh, really committed you know to your genre your style of music maybe to other bands that, that you could see yourself touring with or or are fans of like don't be afraid to get plugged into those communities and just I mean you got to be you know you have to be a little tactful with the way you do it. You don't want to come in just promoting yourself and, and kind of shamelessly self-promoting. But if you can engage with those communities and represent your brand well, um, you know, when you do release a single kind of not, don't just put it on your page, you know, in your socials, but find those groups and those could be, you know, a Reddit forum or it could be some other forum that you're a part of. I, I know a lot of people who that's how they've started out with, um, you know, with growing their studio, with growing their email list is they were just active members of a community that was centered around whatever they were working on. And you get, you get, you know, known in that community. Then when you do launch your website, you have a whole set of people who are already familiar with you that can go there, not, not just people who randomly came across you on Instagram. So there's a lot of little opportunities there, you know, think about which platform is best for you. Think about how you can tap into fans of similar artists, try to get on playlists, of those artists, you know, like we've, we've toured with a band called Evanescence a number of times. Now, 
that that gives us a great leg up because their fans see us on the road with them. But trying to get on playlists on Spotify that are centered around Evanescence, Amy Lee, you know, it just makes sense. We have a female singer, so it was kind of a natural fit, right? And so really honing in on, you know, things that would be kind of that low-hanging fruit. Okay, who could we see ourselves touring with? Where are their fans hanging out? How do we tap into their super fan community and get people listening to our song to give it a shot? Um, you know, things like that. You got to think about what makes the most sense so that way you're not trying every tactic out in the world and you're trying to be an expert at every single platform or else you'll never have time to write great music. Okay, so let's move on in this journey a little bit. So say you've started collecting email addresses. What do you do with all those email addresses? (laughs) like, because even if, you know, you, you somehow get a million people to sign up on your clipboard or iPad <laughs> or or sign up for your, your list for whatever you're promising them, it's like, well, how often should I email them? What should mm-hmm. I be sending them? Um, <laughs> and then, yeah. like, a lot of people just don't because then yeah. they don't know they don't know what to do with this. That's true. And I've, I've gone through those same periods where it's like, oh, yeah, we have an email list. Like, I forgot, <laughs> you know, we've we worked hard to get all these email addresses and now. Uh, because I'm just on social media more frequently, it's not always my go-to to think about that. Um, you have to treat emails precious, right? Because it doesn't take much for someone to just toss you in the junk folder if you know, uh, or never open your email or unsubscribe. So it, it's not like social where you can just tweet out every thought. You definitely don't want to treat your email list that way. Treat it like very high, uh, high value. You know, you want to nurture that list. When you release a new song, these people are going to care about it. But if it's not something that's at that level, just save it, you know, save it. If you, if you're releasing a great piece of merch, you're doing a giveaway, you're announcing a tour, you're announcing a new song. Those are things worth emailing, like kind of the big milestone type moments. Um, you can use your list for more than that. I think giveaways could be a great, a great thing that maybe drive people to your website or encourage them to share out to their friends. You know, a lot of giveaway apps out there in the digital world and encourage kind of a viral component like that. But yeah, email is kind of the ultimate win. You know, don't don't risk losing those email addresses. Just treat it like, you know, your big press release almost. You know, you're not going to pay a PR company to do a press release for every little thing along the way. You're going to wait till those big moments that are really worth sharing. And that's that tends to be how we think about our email list. But what what is is there like a minimum you should be emailing your list? Like you don't want to go a year without you know emailing them and then they're like what the heck who is this yeah as i mean assuming that you're an active artist you know i think every one to three months is probably a good minimum even if it's a here's what we've been up to or hey this is you know we we just hit the one year anniversary of that thing we released you know there are ways to think about okay this is interesting could be some throwback content could be here's what we're working on a little peek behind the scenes head up you know if you haven't listened to us lately head over to spotify like there are things like that that feel non-intrusive. You do want to engage people on your list. So I would say once per quarter is probably like a great minimum to consider, regardless of if you have like something huge and press release worthy. Um, and then the other thing to do with emails, and you don't have to wait until you have a huge list to do this, although I think if you have a thousand plus, then it becomes a lot more valuable, is targeting for for advertising. So Facebook, you know, allows you to create something. If you're If you're running Facebook ads, first you have to have an ad account it's free. If you have a Facebook page, you know, it's all kind of built in part of the system. Um, you can upload the email addresses of your email list as kind of what they call a custom audience, which allows you to target those fans. So when you do want to promote something on social, uh, Facebook knows, okay, these email lists for sure, we're going to find those emails if they're associated with a, a, 
with a Facebook profile, Instagram profile, we're going to show this content to your fans. So that's a great thing because as you know, you, we could follow any number of bands, artists, businesses on social, and you may never see what they post simply because of how the algorithms work. So if you are going to start spending money on social media, your emails are a huge, huge boost to that. It allows you to make sure your fans are seeing your content. And then one step further than that, I would say generally you want to wait until you have a thousand or more for this. You can build what's called a lookalike audience. And that's, you know, there's a lot of guides out there around that. I'd be happy to help anyone who has questions about this, but there essentially what that does is it tells Facebook, okay, we know we have these thousand emails on our email list, go and find me a percentage of the population of the United States or whatever countries you choose that resemble my fans. They resemble what you know my fans to be based on their demographics, their listening behavior, their purchase behavior. Go find me more people like that. And then you can start showing your content to fans who would likely be interested in you if it was only put in front of them. And that's the beauty of look like audiences. It kind of helps you cast this really wide net out there and show people your content and, and not just have to cross your fingers and hope for the best, but really people that are based on your existing audience. So that's another level that shows the value of email addresses. When you get into the advertising world, there's a lot of examples of that. Uh, just kind of helps refine your, your advertising a bit more. Let's move on a little bit. You being, you know, having, having been in a band for a while, having helped venues promote shows what are some of the things that artists can do in terms of promoting shows specifically because obviously like you want to drive people to your shows um because that's what's really going to reinforce a fan from being just kind of a casual fan to being more of a true fan yeah from my perspective and and i've been a lot more on the venue side over the years you know honestly i think our team has written more copy promoting concerts than anyone else in the world over the last 10 years. I mean, and we, we've written literally several hundred thousand posts per year promoting shows. And so I understand it probably way more from the venue side and what works for that than from the artist side. Uh, although I am an artist, you know, I've, been, I've sat on the other, in the other seat for so long. And so honestly, what helps a venue or a promoter promote your show is the content that you're going to hand them. And so it comes down to, you know, it's not just a great looking flyer. That's awesome. But we get blasted with flyers and advertising materials nonstop. You know, if you're releasing a new song, if you have anything exciting to share, be in touch with that promoter. Give them the tools that can leverage their network to ultimately sell more tickets to your show. Like, ev- that, that's a win for everyone, right? The promoter needs to sell tickets to make money. The venue needs to sell tickets to make money. Um, or even if it's a revenue share, maybe they don't need that to 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 make money per se, but it benefits them to have more people at the show. So every venue needs more from an artist manager, from someone in the band, you know, especially if it's a, if your band's not at the level where you're going to sell 200, 300, 400 tickets already, you know, they need help selling tickets to your show. So give them those tools, make sure they have a great image for your band. Make sure they have, if you created the flyer, make sure they have that. All of these things do a giveaway with them. Every promoter, every venue has inventory, even if it's a sold out show that they can set aside for a giveaway. Do that, you know, because that is leveraging their audiences as well. So, we, you know, when speaking to your own audience, work with the channels that you have. Don't, you know, don't overlook things like song kick, which, you know, it doesn't, isn't really talked about a lot, but that will pull your shows into Spotify. So when people are listening to your music, they can see, oh, this artist has a show in my area. You never want someone to, at least my philosophy has been, 
you know, if someone chooses not to come to my show, that's fine. But if they didn't know that I was having a show, that's a problem and that's on me. So you really have to put in the work, right? And, and that's making it visible on Bands in Town, on Songkick, which feeds them to Spotify. Uh, send out an email when you're announcing a tour or if it's, you know, even a couple dates. Uh, don't do that all the time if you're just announcing one show here and one show there. Be a little more targeted and tactful about it. And yeah, make sure it's on your social. If someone is out there interacting with you, they need to know that you have a concert. There's no excuse that if they're looking for it, they shouldn't be able to find it. Um, and don't be afraid to spend money. You know, uh, is it worth it for you to spend $30 on a, a Facebook ad or Instagram ad uh, to target, you know, a 10 mile radius around the venue that you're playing? Maybe you don't have 30 bucks. Maybe you have less. That's fine. What can you set aside to push that content out to people? Because like I said earlier, we all know you're following bands. You don't see hardly any of the posts that they put out there unless you are regularly engaging with them. So spend 10 bucks, 30 bucks, 50 bucks per show. Have someone help you set up the Facebook ad if you're not familiar with doing that and treat it like a digital flyer. You know, back in the day, like we used to stand outside of venues, right? Like let's say, you know, using Evanescence, like maybe we would have stood outside of a, a club that they just played and handed out flyers to our show. Most of the time you're handing someone, you're pretty much saying, Hey, throw this away for me. Hey, you want to throw this away for me? Hey, you wanna, <laughs> hey drop this on the ground, you know? And so, but what you can do, and this is something maybe a little secret that we've used for venues that I think works for artists as well. The, the Facebook and, and all these advertising platforms are so savvy. Now you can literally drop a pin on the exact uh, address of the music venue that maybe that band that's similar to yours or a big concert in, in your town is taking place. And you can target within a one mile radius of that venue, just the people's phones and push out an ad for your band, you know, your music video, the great photo with, with a mention of your show coming up at the same venue. We call those digital flyers and it's taking the place of like street teams and printing flyers and stuff like that. And it could be 10 bucks, 25 bucks. It doesn't have to be expensive. You only run the ad for a certain number of hours in a very limited radius. And you're essentially delivering flyers to people's phones, which they're staring at anyway, at the show of a band that is related to the music that you're putting out. So that's like a very specific advertising tactic that is, you know, we've, it, we've done more and more and more and more over the years. And, and a lot of times you might set a $25 budget and it doesn't even spend all of it. So you can save a little bit of that money and still hit people's phones in the area. So, um, yeah, all that say leverage the, so I'll boil that down to, into a little nutshell, leverage the networks of the other people involved in the show. Um, whether that's the promoter, the venue, the, the other bands, you know, if you're in contact with them, leverage each other's networks. Uh, if there's a Facebook event that has a bunch of RSVPs, post in the Facebook event as your band, you know, make people listen to your music before the show. They might not know you. They'll check out the, your YouTube video. Now they get to the show earlier to catch your band, which previously they might not have. So leverage those networks, look into some creative advertising um, techniques like the digital flyers. And of course, make sure that the show is listed everywhere you have control over your website, um, put it in an email if that feels appropriate, Facebook event, song kick, bands in town, you know, Instagram flyer image, whatever it might be like, Make sure you're doing your due diligence so that no one the next day says, oh, I had no idea you played last night. That's never what you want to hear. <laughs> Can we talk about how to avoid those types of situations? Because um, I know myself, other artists that I've talked to have all said, I feel like I've just been spamming social media and mm. people still mm -hmm. tell me I had no shows. So mm. um, 
are there is, is there like a certain amount of days before the show that you should really be starting to do stuff? Uh, is there a number of times you post? What are some of the kind of just rules of thumb in terms of making sure that you're actually hitting your awareness numbers? That's a great question. Um, and yeah, we've all seen like, you know, if you make a post today, sometimes people don't see it on social for two days later. So you don't want to just be promoting your show the day of and think, well, I posted about it this morning. The way the algorithm works, it could be three to four days before that actually gets the delivered to people. So I think there's some milestone moments with most shows. You have the date that the show is announced. That is a great one to make sure you post a new show, just announce whatever your kind of nomenclature is that fits the voice of your band or, or artist profile. Um, announce it, you know, make an announcement. Then oftentimes tickets go on sale a different day. So maybe the announcement's on a Monday, tickets go on sale Friday. Don't miss those opportunities that kind of those kind of milestones. Um, every promoter wants to see the day tickets go on sale. They would love it. You know, can you sell a couple dozen tickets the first day? Great. They're going to be really stoked. You know, if you can sell a couple hundred, even better, whatever level you're at. Um, and then I would say, depending on, you know, the in-between time, like the, from the day tickets go on sale to the, the day the show plays, that's your opportunity to be, get a bit more creative, you know, make sure you're talking about your new music video, you're releasing content in that in-between time. Uh, think about that, you know, be a little purposeful. Okay. We announced the show it went on sale. Now I have this middle time where I need to earn ticket buyers. If someone didn't buy tickets the day, the, the day that they went on sale, what's going to make them you know, make that decision between points A and B. Um, that's a great time to run ads, to be honest, once tickets go on sale. Uh, so as far as number of times to post organically, you know, you don't want to overdo it. You don't want to make people ignore your posts. So you have to be a little artful about it. I'd say once a week, you know, on an Instagram story, at least on, on Facebook posts, mention your shows, but don't have it just be a buy tickets message. Think about the content you're you're a comp that's accompanying that, right? Like, is it a great image? Are you releasing a video? Can you throw it back to some content and then say, also buy tickets to our show? Blah blah blah. You know, I think once a week is great, and then the week of the show, uh, you know, that's a great time. I'd say probably if it's a Friday show, make sure by Monday or Tuesday you have sort of a forward looking. And then Instagram stories, think about that. You know, the morning of the show, as you're loading in the, into the venue, as you're setting up merch, doing soundcheck, these are great opportunities. It's kind of real time to capture some of those last minute impulsive concert goers. Um, God, I miss concerts so much. Like even talking about this just feels like a blast from the past. People are going to be listening to me. Like I haven't been to a concert in 12 months. What are you talking about? But, you know, we, not every artist wants to be there, but for those who do, you really just have to, you know, you can't just be telling people to buy tickets to your show. You have to, again, think about the value. You know, what, what's accompanying that? Is it a great visual? Is it an announcement? Is it promoting one of the other bands that's going to be on stage with you? Who's also great? You know, don't have the scarcity mindset where only that, you know, that fan can only care about one band. They're going to be way more eager to buy tickets if everyone on the lineup is great and, and appeals to them. You know, they're spending 20 bucks on a concert ticket for the first time in, in a year show them that the whole lineup is worth investing in, you know? So don't be so in your own little silo where you forget that the concert is an experience beyond just your 30 minute set or whatever it might be. So right. I know that, again, a long answer to a short question, but you know, think about the milestones, think about the in-between time. Can you do a giveaway for tickets that you've coordinated with the promoter or venue? You know, uh, those are, that's the time you can get creative. And then week of the show, at least two, three days beforehand, you want to remind people and then real time think about stories and how you can give people that kind of behind the scenes view. 
So just as we start wrapping up here, what are some of the music industry promotion trends that you are maybe starting to see for the next couple of years? I know the world's going to be kind of changing a lot post-COVID. Uh, no one really knows what's going to happen, but are, are, are there just a little bit of things that you're starting to see rumbles of that maybe just we can start anticipating uh, when it comes to promotion in the music industry? Great question. I feel like everything's been on pause and everyone's been trying to tackle this all virtual world, right? And and I think there's an element of that that's here to stay that's also changed people's behavior, where if you do have the ability to do a great virtual show, an acoustic set, a live show, something that people can tap into, especially if you do have an existing fan base, that's a great way to keep them interested during this time and maybe show them a side of you that isn't just at a noisy club or theater, or, you know, whatever it might be. And so, you know, if you're actively working on music and you're in the studio or you have the ability to put together a little couple song live performance, you don't, don't necessarily have to charge admission for it, but people are buying tickets online to tune in to these things. There's some great platforms out there like single music. I have no affiliation with them. I just think they've done a great job with live streams and they also allow you to tie merch sales to your live stream so fans can be spending money without ever leaving watching your live experience. So if you're at that level, tools like that are, are great. And I think they're here to stay. Um, platform wise, obviously TikTok, you know, we'd be remiss to, to not mention TikTok. Um, that's kind of short form, the kind of the, the funnier and the more clever, the better. Uh, when it comes to that, we're seeing artists get signed just based on a couple of viral TikTok videos, you know, doing little covers or, I'm sure maybe a lot of people have seen the dude who's like uh, putting into music like uh, arguments, you know, in Facebook comments or whatever <laughs> and turning those into like, you know, things with melody and just sort of being funny about it. Um, there's things like that where people want to see, okay, we live in this ridiculous like internet, all virtual, all digital world. How can I play into that and still have fun with it and be an artist, you know, and maintain some integrity, but draw people in with, some levity, you know, with kind of playing on this this digital world that we're in. When it comes I mean, to sea the, shanties took off, so dude, you know sea, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, sea shanties, or even doing like a metal version of sea shanties, like that took off, you know, a bit. And so, yeah, don't be afraid of like stepping into the trend, especially if it's something that that resonates with you, and you're like, you know what, I could turn that into a song. Great. It might not be the the single that you're putting out, but can it attract new people to your music because it's very shareable? great. Then that's just a promotion tool. Um, you know, as far as like the live music industry, honestly, the virtual concerts are really the only new thing happening at the moment. Everyone's trying to figure out, you know, is there some kind of silver bullet, you know, when their artist puts out a single, how can we maximize the number of streams? Playlists are still king. Your record labels have started to dominate, you know, a lot of the playlists out there. It's kind of become this radio dynamic, like I mentioned earlier. Um, we're working with a number of artists running ad campaigns for them. And it's kind of a combination of awareness and engagement, you know, running ads just with the objective of getting people to engage on social media so that then they're kind of part of your audience in a very low commitment way. Once they've committed to you enough to double tap a photo or watch a few seconds of your video, whatever it might be, then we ask them for a little more. We'll see if they'll click through to Spotify. You know, do, can you have a little engaging like audio visual clip of your music catches people's attention, you know, looks great. Uh, can we drive them to Spotify or Apple Music? That's the next step of commitment. And we're doing this all within advertising platforms like 
Facebook ads, leveraging who we know your fans to be, people who have engaged with you, and asking them to kind of go down that funnel and take bigger, bigger steps. So if there were like a silver bullet, you know, bullseye guarantee, I'd be a millionaire, you know, and my band would be <laughs> the only thing I'm doing. But still, you it's just all about testing. It's about continually creating somehow, you know, maintaining your love for it along the way and just trying these different tactics. You know, if you're just sitting in a studio and putting music out there, getting a couple streams and that's fulfilling for you, great. But, you know, if you want to be earning a fan base, you've got to try a lot of different marketing techniques. Um, and, and every label's doing the same thing. They're running ads to promote their music videos. They're doing YouTube ads. They're running ads, pointing people to Spotify. And really, they're just the resources that they have available. They're putting that into pushing the content out via advertising on the digital platforms right now. Well, Brandon, thanks so much for coming on the show today and giving us some insights and whatnot. Sure. So we super appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Well, is there a, a way that we can contact you if we have questions or want to maybe work with you on some campaigns or any resources we can point people to? Absolutely. Yeah. So my personal social, like, uh, Instagram is that Brandon Brown. Um, our company's media whisper, Media, W-H-I-S-P-E-R. That's MediaWhisper.com or MediaWhisper on any social platform out there. If you do have questions, whether it's on the artist side or on the marketing side, please don't hesitate to ask. It, it's really hard to try to boil things down into like a, an easy to digest nutshell. Like there are tactic, tactics in here I can walk you through as opposed to this kind of shotgun approach that we took today. Um, and yeah, no obligation at all. You know, the, not going to try to sell you anything. I'm just happy to try to help other artists and share some of the insights we've seen on the platform side, on the venue side that could hopefully benefit people and, and bring their music to more people out there. Well, Brandon, thanks so much. Yeah, thanks, man. Have a good one. So that's it for my conversation today with Brandon Brown of Media Whisper and the band Viridia. Real quick before we go, if you haven't done so yet, we'd really appreciate if you would just give this show five stars on Apple Podcasts. really helps more people find the show. Also, if you are releasing new music and want to know the proven game plan for getting on playlists and blogs and features, go ahead, sign up for a free workshop called Rock the Release. Just go to evergreenrecords.com slash workshop to sign up. But for now, that's it, and we will see you next time.